and welcome into No Plain Views. I'm Brandon Mintz. He's Harris Eisenberg, and we're here on Thursday, September 8th, 2022, with our our first episode. And it also happens to be the first day of the NFL season, something that Harris and I have been looking forward to for quite some time now. And it sort of works out perfect timing for us to make our, our pilot episode on the day that the defending Super Bowl champ Los Angeles Rams are going to take on the seeming to be prohibitive favorite Super Bowl champs this upcoming season in the Buffalo Bills. I mean, I, I can't speak to how excited I am to really get this podcast going. This is something Harris and I have been talking about for, for quite a bit now and to really get out here and get the ball rolling on the opening day of the football season. There's really no better segue to get into a podcast where we're going to be giving you our our opinions, our thoughts, our predictions, and, and everything you could really want in the landscape of sports. And just to give you guys a little bit of a heads up on, on who we are, I'll start. I'm Brandon Mintz. Uh, I just recently graduated from Syracuse University, majoring in broadcasting and digital journalism. So the, the podcast world is really something that I am I'm definitely committed to, and it's something I have some previous experience in. I'm the former host of the Mints on Mets podcast. I did some previous social media work on my own for the New York Mets. I ran a social media page that had uh, over 10,000 followers, and I had a podcast and all that stuff was great. I now have a job in the realm of baseball, so that is something that we will not be explicitly diving into on the pod, but we're going to be here for every single want and need you have in the world of football and basketball, both collegiate and professional. So, I mean, it's really something this is, I've really been itching to get back into podcasting. And I think Harris is someone with similar aspirations to me. I can't think of a better guy to, to really go into this as in a partnership with. So Harris, if you want to tell the listeners, give them a little look into you. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the kind words. Um, I'm excited to be doing this. I'm Harris Eisenberg. Um, just graduated High Point University with an undergrad degree in sports media and a minor in sport management. Um, currently actually going to be back there in a few months to be completing my master's in communication and business leadership, which I've currently started online. While we both are from Long Island, Plainview specifically, as the name says, currently living in the Tampa Bay area, working like Brandon is, building up a resume and breaking into the sports industry, specifically in broadcasting. And, you know, again, this is something we've been talking about for months. I feel like it's something we touched on back when we were in high school together way back four or five years ago. And now we're finally making it into fruition. So it's pretty cool to be doing this. Pretty cool to be here. Um, most of my background, as many of you listeners might know, is in play-by-play um, at High Point University. But uh, definitely a podcast is something I've always wanted to do and dip into and finally have an opportunity like this is pretty cool. So uh can't wait to break it down with Brandon and uh, give my opinions to the audience. You know, and, and you mentioned that no plain views and <clears throat> excuse me, that's really something that that's what you're going to get here. It's going to be not outrageous, but you're going to get some some hot takes. You're going to be getting our opinions on every single thing that happens. And considering we're just two kids from Plainview, New York, that grew up and went into the same industry. And now we're doing this podcast together. I think no plain views really brings in and encapsulates everything that we're trying to do here. So that's I'm glad you hit on that. Getting into what you could expect from us, um, we're going to start out here, I would say, with weekly episodes. I think there's a reasonable expectation somewhere in between Monday Night Football and Thursday Night Football so we could break down the previous week of games and give a little upcoming look at what's about to be happening in the next coming week, obviously towards NFL postseason and with the NBA coming up and college basketball, college football. There's so much. There's easily room to transition into a multiple episodes a week type format. But for now, just so you know what to expect it should be roughly one episode a week. And for this episode, I mean, what, what else are we going to talk about besides the return of the NFL? I mean, 
tonight we, we start out the season in a highly anticipated matchup between two powerhouses. And, and I think football is really the only way that we can open up this show. But considering we are two guys from Long Island, New York, I think it's only right that we dive into the local teams to start. I, I myself am a New York Jets fan, so I, I think I got to transition us right into there to start out the show. And, and it is undeniably a massive year for this New York Jets team. You have uh, your rookie quarter. You have your previous rookie quarterback now coming into his second year, Zach Wilson, the number two overall pick in the draft. This is nothing short. It's hard to call a make or break year for a quarterback in his second year, Harris, but it's almost hard to not say that's the case when they went so out of their way to bring in all this help whether it be additions to the O-line, additions to the receiving core, going up and drafting a running back in the early second round in Brees Hall. I mean, it, it's crazy to say, but if Zach does not come out and bring it this year, there's going to be questions, especially with this loaded quarterback class that we see coming up in the 23 class. It was easy to just to see that in week one of the college football season, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, like they are here and they are coming. So if Zach does not make it work here, there's really not excuses. Whereas in the Sam Darnold era of things, it was obvious that you could totally pin it. The coaching staff was a mess had by Adam Gase. The receiving core was a mess. I mean, I love Braxton Berrios, but I much love him more now as our number four receiver, as opposed to the number one he was with Sam Darnold. The protection, an absolute disaster. It, there was really nothing that was going to help Sam escalate his game in New York. But Zach now, they went out and invested money in Pro Bowl or Lincoln Tomlinson in the offseason. They traded up for Elijah Barrett Tucker. You take studs on both sides of the field and Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. They pay Corey Davis. I mean, it's, like I mentioned, Brees Hall, Michael Carter. It's all there for Zach really to dive in head first here and succeed. But as, as I'm sure you saw yesterday, Harris, Robert Sala announces that Zach Wilson is not returning until at least week four. And that was something that caught me by surprise. I mean, he had that, that weird injury in the preseason game that at first Twitter was ablaze towards ACL out for the season, this, that. And it turns out that it was not the major injury that everyone expected it to be. But as of just two days ago, Robert Sala was on Sports Talk Radio saying that it's up in the air that Zach Wilson plays week one. So it was certainly shocking for me to see that Wilson will not be playing till week four at a minimum, considering he missed some time last year. He's now missing really important snaps, both in training camp, the preseason. Like this is stuff that for a young quarterback really helps their development. And it's certainly disappointing to know that he's already missing three games this year after he suffered multiple weeks out last year. So uh, we'll start there. Zach Wilson, your expectations, the import of this season for Wilson. Well, I think I agree with all the points you hit on, Brandon. I mean, this is a guy who was drafted number two for a reason. And last year he showed a lot of capability when it comes to making some superior highlight plays, but also a lot of mistakes. And, you know, while I do agree that Zach Wilson, it is a make or break year for him because, like you said, the Jets invested a lot of money. They've invested in the right coach, who's clearly the right coach for this team. Uh, they brought some guys back and they picked for their for the top 36 picks in the draft this year all belong to the Jets and are all on their roster to start the season. Like that is a big deal for Zach Wilson and company. But I think the fact that Zach Wilson is down for now, at least the first three weeks of the season and Joe Flacco is going to be starting the year. I think it's going to be more of a get to know season for the jets. You know, what can Robert Sala do with such a young core? What can some of these guys who brought in for the big bucks, what can they provide to the team? And then with Zach Wilson at the end, you know what, if Joe Flacco can get you a win in three weeks and then Zach Wilson comes in, I think it's best case scenario. Um, but again, that division's really hard. I do think Zach Wilson 
does have a couple years to really prove himself, but this year is a big deal for him. Can he get back healthy and can he be a mature quarterback that you see out of a number two overall pick? And it really just is. It's a sign of just like the way football has changed that now, like five, even five years ago, you never would have heard me saying what it's a make or break year in year two. That's outrageous. But the way football is, you have guys like Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, dating back years ago, Andrew Luck, Robert Griffin III. These guys come to the NFL guns blazing in their rookie year and set the league on fire. So it's almost hard not to expect now that when you use such high draft capital and the number two overall pick, in a, especially in a class where there was other available options, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, not to say those guys have proven that they're undeniably better than Zach yet, but there were other options. So when you do use all of this other capital, both in free agency and the, the NFL draft to bring in guys to elevate Zach, it puts a lot more pressure on Zach, but it really, like, I really am just disappointed by the way this whole injury thing has played out. And I am with you. I am absolutely on board with Robert Sala. This is a guy that I was all over as a future Jets head coach when he was the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. I was just oozing over the fact that this guy has to be pulled off the field by another coach. He was so into, he was so invested coming from coaches like Todd Bowles and Adam Gates that really didn't even look like they were uh, like, they couldn't, care about the outcome on the field. I'm sure they did, but you really couldn't see it. Seeing uh, Robert Sallon needing to be dragged off the field from celebrating with his guys is something that really just appealed to me. So I was thrilled when they hired Robert Sala. Now we know he's a defensive guy. So this is not someone that was, this isn't one of those QB guru, Mike McDaniel, LaFleur types that are supposed to come in and, and fix your offense. But I think Robert Sala does have something to prove this year. Obviously the it was his first year last year. It sort of didn't get going the right way. I, I understood last season. I'm not looking at last season being like, wow, Robert Sala, you're on the clock. But there is some stuff I want to see out of Robert Sala this year. He gets, if you look at the defense specifically, you use the number four overall pick in, in Ahmad Sauce Gardner, one of the best cor corners we've seen in college football in recent memory. You get back your high-level free agent signing from a year ago, Carl Lawson, who was injured all last year. Like you mentioned, they draft Jermaine Johnson as well in that top 36, the second defensive player they took that high in the draft. I mean, you really, CJ Mosley for a full season, you sign DJ Reed, you sign Jordan Whitehead, like Quinton Williams is healthy. I don't expect this to be a Buffalo Bills or Tempe Buccaneers level unit, of course, but I do expect this defense to show signs of some high level draft picks, some high level signings and a big time defensive coach. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Robert Sala is the pure definition of what New York City is all about, right? Like we've had, like you've mentioned, Todd Bowles came from a place where he had a reputation. He had one good year. It didn't work. Adam Gase was the prime definition of a coach who just did not care, right? Robert Sala is that kind of guy where he'll go on a radio show or he'll go into his pregame or postgame presser where everything that he says you can get behind. And that sets the expectation on him. He needs to step up for this organization that has only had six wins in the last two years. I mean, if you look at it this way, that two win season was under Gase and then Salah had the four wins last year. So you got to keep building on this. You have a young core. Like you said, I think the good thing about the jets when you're comparing it to the giants is that people want to play for the jets because I feel like it's an organization that at the top, there is no incompetency. People want to come here. It's just a matter of time, whether they can put the pieces together. It's been so long. Brendan, do you remember the last time when they were able to get all these draft picks and all guys who were able to sign to these big money deals. When was the last time they were able to put them together? You know, 29 or 2010, maybe. I mean, right? the last year that we were even somewhat relevant was 2015, but that was a veteran team. That was, right. they went out and tr they acquired Brandon Marshall and they signed Eric Decker. Those were more 
of vet guys that you expect to be like a good they, they got and they wanted a good couple seasons out of them but nothing like you're saying where you bring in these just droves of young talent that could actually grow and build together in new york right and you look at the defensive side of the things too in those 2010 years, look at who the Jets drafted, right? They were all defensive players that didn't end up working out, you know, like D. Milner was waived way back in the day. Uh, Leonard Williams was traded. Now it's Quinn and Williams, and that's it. So, I mean, Sauce Gardner's got some big expectations here. Like you said, one of the best corners that we've seen in college football for a long time, and I think the Jets used the draft really well to their advantage this year, and I think having those four picks in the top 36 is really going to show, hey, look, they might not – be in a wild card position this year. But this year, Robert Sala needs to prove that it's a building year. So that way, two years down the line, when Zach Wilson's fighting for that big money deal soon, that the Jets can be competitive and Zach Wilson has those opportunities for the team to keep growing around him and for them to finally be a playoff team in what has been a pretty good division based on which teams are good, whether it's the Patriots or the Bills and even the Dolphins can be sneaky at times. And anytime you mentioned bringing in a high-profile college cornerback, like, you're talking about pressure, like you will be compared to Darrell Rivas. I remember being a kid after the Jets took D Milner, who was obviously a massive failure. And I was calling him Milner Island on the night he was drafted. Like that's just part of what comes with being a cornerback in New York. Like there are going to be high expectations. He's one of the best to ever do it. Wore the green and white in Darrell Rivas. And like he is, he's one of the, uh, he's a jet legend, like simply put. And, and I think the defense is going to be a big telltale on Robert Sala this year, because that is what he was brought in to do. That is his thing. Just as, an offensive coach is looked at as their offense. The same applies on the other side of the ball. So I, I think it's big year for like at the end of the day, like it's a coach and quarterback league, like the teams that are elite, it's the Mahomes and the Andy Reeds, the Matt LaFleur and the Aaron Rodgers. Like, like that's what wins in the NFL now. And it's going to be a lot on Wilson and Salah to do so. But one guy we haven't mentioned yet. And I think just deserves his, his due in all of this is Joe Douglas. I mean, at the end of the day, he is the guy that's putting this team together and we, we mentioned having all of this high-level draft capital. Well, that has to happen somehow. And, and it was through the trade market. A combination of not making silly trades and trading out of their picks. They owned all their own draft capital in these last couple of years, but going out and stealing others' draft capital. I mean, two first-round picks and a third-round pick for Jamal Adams. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I know there's a lot of Jamal Adams hate in New York. But like he was, he was a really good player, and he was pretty, he was pretty great for us. Don't get me wrong; I'll call him yeah. let's play like the rest. But he was quite a player. But if you're telling me we could get a safety, he's not winning you a Super Bowl in isolation. So turning a safety into two first round picks, even people even forget the third round pick that they acquired in that Seattle deal was packaged in the move up for Elijah Vera Tucker. So you you use Elijah Vera Tucker. You get one of the first-round picks and the third-round pick going a package for Roger Tucker. The other first-round pick, that was using a guy named Garrett Wilson, who they just took a 10th overall last year out of Ohio State, a really nice up-and-coming receiver that I think looks more NFL-ready than most. So you should really be able to see some stuff there. He was across another first-round pick in Chris Olave, who's, who's on the Saints now. But you look at the young talent at premier positions, wide receiver and offensive line that you got out of just Jamal Adams, Elijah Tucker and Garrett Wilson, like those should be two building blocks for this offense sam darnold they turned sam darnold into a second and fourth round pick who did that second round pick become that would be Brees hall your now guy that you bring in to be your workhorse bell cow running back for hopefully the next five plus years like you gotta love the way joe douglas has turned these these assets that he was able to have other teams see value in into high leverage draft capital that is a huge part of the reason why the jets roster looks like this now i mean if you look at the jets roster i think i mean this got to be you're four for Joe Douglas at this point. You're looking at 
the Mike McC- what Mike McCagnan left this team looking like and what Joe Douglas has it is now, it's nothing short of remarkable. I mean, there was high uh, conflict when McCagnan was let go of in the first place. But I think with Joe Douglas is this, right? You know, when the Jets signed Le'Veon Bell a few years ago, it was like, okay, you know, this organization is going to bring in a big star, right? And we're going to make a lot of money and we're going to go to the Super Bowl because we got a running back who could make us to the playoffs. That's not how that works. Also, what Joe Douglas, I think, learned from that is that there's no more going out and signing egos, right? You go out there and you sign players who embrace an identity. And that's what the Jets need to form this year. They need to form an identity to where, okay, you have these young guys coming in. Like, the Jets invested a lot of money this offseason in, in some guys, right? Are they the biggest names on the planet? No, but they're guys who have won, uh, who have made it to the Pro Bowl. They have guys who, there are guys who have helped good teams get places and they want to come play for the Jets because Joe Douglas and Robert Sala have stamped an identity on this team. I mean, like you said, like this is a big year for this club. If you're talking about draft capital, well, you got it and more coming. Like one player is not going to win you a Super Bowl. But the fact that you go out there and sign some mid-pro ball guys and you draft like the, the way you did to have roster-ready players now – for the future of the next three to four years. I mean, I think this Jets organization is channeling in a better direction than it ever was in the last decade, just based on the fact that it's a good mix of veterans and young players. And and it's just like any team that you go on, any good team has that kind of mix and they have formed an identity. Like Robert Sala is a great identity piece. The last coach that formed an identity for the Jets was Rex Ryan. That was ages ago, right? They haven't had anybody like that in a long time. So this is finally the time where the Jets had that identity. And it's up to Zach Wilson, in my opinion, to say, okay, look, I'm a number one, two, I'm a number two overall pick, but I need to embrace the way the Jets are right now in order to get this team where it is in the next few years. And it's not like the Jets, like, like you mentioned, like this is, they have went out and made those big splashes in free agency, Le'Veon Bell, um, the Jermaine, the, the cornerback, Jermaine Johnson. Was it Jermaine Johnson? I believe so. We, we just drafted Jermaine Johnson. Was that the name of the corner as well? We signed a big time corner from the Seahawks. It might have been Jermaine Johnson as well. That's what I, I was mean. Thinking. There's a, listen, a lot of names are the last name Johnson, so it could be. But the point being, the Jets have went out and made these big, high level, high profile free agency moves that have fell back in their face horribly. So I like the idea of, like you mentioned, these mid tier Pro Bowl level guys. For, for more reasonable contracts, whether that be a Corey Davis is a great example, DJ Reed, you don't have to go out and get the best guy in the market. Your star should be coming from within. That's how you actually build something that's sustainable. If, for this Jets team, it's going to be on Elijah Moore and Brees Hall and Sauce Gardner and Zach Wilson and Elijah Barrett Tucker. They're going to have to be your stars. And you bring in the complimentary guys that take you from a team with a lot of talent, homegrown talent, to a well-rounded overall club because you're able to make those mid-level free agency signings that just keep building on your talent. It's, it's not going to work out if you go the other way. The Jets have tried it, and it's failed. And I think it's a good thing for the fans, too, to rely on that young talent like a sauce gardener to be a star because you could say, okay, look, if the Jets go 5-11, and 11, right, you could say, okay, you know, our stars are rookies. They're only going to get better. And if you go 5-11 and 11 or 6-10, and 10, you improve on last season anyways. Right. So I think for Jets fans, I don't think there's a reason this year to get mad at anything per se, other than if Zach Wilson is underperforming and Robert Sala is making bad calls late in football games. I think Jets fans have a more optimism this year than they've ever had in the last six to seven years, which were all years, keep in mind, where, oh my, like 
the Jets are going to make a splash. The expectation for the Jets has been set so high over the last few years that it just annihilates fans when they keep having these bad seasons. But it's just the way the roster structure is. It's poor roster construction. Finally, this year, there is a good roster to have, a young roster, for Jets fans to not complain about when they go 5-11, and 11, but to say, oh, you know, they could go 5-11 and 11 and believe that this team will be way better in the next year. So my personal prediction on the Jets, do I think they're winning a division? No. Are they making a wild card? No. But I do think they'll be competitive in some high leverage games. I do think they'll put up some good fights this year. And I think Jets fans don't have any reasons to get upset when the team has a losing record because their stars are so young and they'll realize that they're just going to develop over time. Yeah. And quickly, before I get into my just outlook on the season, true main Johnson was yes. the, the massive flop of a cornerback the Jets signed in the, the mid 2010s. But I, I think I share a, a similar look on things this year for the Jets. This is not a team that's going to be competing with the Buffalo Bills for an AFC East division title. This is not a team that in a newly locked and loaded AFC. I mean, th- when we, we're going to get into our playoff predictions later in the episode, but my God, is there just a plethora of talent across the landscape in the AFC? So I don't think a wild card is reasonable to say either, but this is a team. How about we play some meaningful football games past Halloween? How about we push the limits of what seems to be a dead season two months in let's play games that are they realistically going to make a playoff push? I'd say probably not, but why not at least create the illusion of it later in the season than usual, have a team that's playing games with a little more high leverage, high stakes, beat play some close games. Do I expect them to go out and beat the Ravens on week one, a team that you're going to see later in the episode. I am, I'm head over heels for the Baltimore Ravens this year, but, but it's at home. You're going to be coming off the, the high of a home opener crowd. Make it a game. You're playing the defending AFC champ Bengals. You're playing a Pittsburgh Steelers team that's good year in, year out. You play the Packers. You play Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Like, there's going to be some real tests out there to see what this team's medal is. And I think that's a lot where Robert Sala comes into play on how he can get them up for these games where they know they're not supposed to win. Now, would I like to see them go out? If you look at the end of their schedule, their last four weeks, Lions, Jaguars, Seahawks, and Dolphins. That's absolutely a place that you could go in and actually stack some wins and have some high momentum going into the end of the season. Not that I believe momentum carries over from season to season because we've seen in past Jets seasons that's not the case. But I do think that there is room, especially once you get past this somewhat of a gauntlet, which is the first start to the season, they actually play the entire NFC North, one of the better divisions in football, in the first four weeks. So it's not going to start easy, but I think that's going to be a real test of how this, what this team's grit is, how they're able to fight back from adversity. Their bye is week 10, so sort of right in the middle of that season, you come out, and it's really their most winnable stretch of the year. Even those in those couple weeks before that ending the fourth stretch, they get the Bears, they get the Patriots. A couple tough games in there at Minnesota and at Buffalo, but I think this is a season that, like you said, keep mounting wins. They won four last year, six to eight. Six to seven probably feels that window where I feel most comfortable. If this could be an eight and nine, or I mean, a nine and eight team, wow, are they going to have Jets fans roaring at MetLife this year and ready? And and then at that point, I would honestly say regardless, even if this is a six, seven win team, I think next year is playoffs or bust. At that point, once you get another full draft class, another full free agency period, year three of your coach, year three of your quarterback, year five of your GM, it's sort of going to be like, it's like, I don't care about how good the other teams are around you. You have to make this postseason. But I think this is going to be a year of progression, of optimism, and really just mounting on that positive trajectory that I think the Jets have established over this now, over the entire Joe Douglas regime. 
Look, I mean, you hit on all the points. And look, I'm no Jets fan and I'm no Giants fan, but New, New York needs this. Like this is a this is a market that is dying for a team to actually be competitive with some of the big dogs. And look, like you said, it's going to be hard at the beginning. I get it. But you know what? Once you get past that bye week, you could say, hey, look, we played high leverage teams like Denver and we played high leverage teams like Baltimore week one and all the other challenges. You know, New England's going to be good again this year. So, you know, I think that's a best case scenario for them to have a good record, especially getting that experience early. But again, I'm coming from this as a voice of reason and someone who every time I go back home, there's always a problem with, oh, well, New York football is awful. I think the Jets are the team that is going to be the one to set the bar high this year for the future where fans can just say, okay, like we are going to be totally fine going into the next two to three years. Cause now you have the roster construction for it. You just do. No, absolutely. Harris. I think we share similar looks on the, on the jets this year, but there is another New York team in town. So I think we should move over to the, the G man, the New York football giants. The, the self-proclaimed. So I, I think this is a team that is a couple phases before, like before where the Jets are at right now. I think they're also in a rebuild, but I do not think they're at the point in the rebuild in which the Jets are. I mean, if you look at what their current situation is, their quarterback, Daniel Jones is, I mean, we're talking make or break years. I mean, this is a make or break year on Danny Dimes because if he does not play the part this year, the Giants will absolutely move on from him in this upcoming NFL draft and he will be relegated to most likely a backup role in 2023. But they, they did just clean house. They, they got rid, they axed their previous regime with Dave Gettleman, and they brought in Joe Shane, a, a former big-level executive, and, and you bring in Brian Dable, a, a beloved, beloved guy out in Buffalo, the, the guy who it seems gets most of the credit for what Josh Allen has become. So I, I think that is definitely something – really positive for the Giants to be able to get a guy like that in there that has such a good offensive acumen. But I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be the guy where he really gets to show it per se. I've never really been a big believer in Daniel Jones from the second he was drafted as high as he was. And I thought that was a reach still now. I'm not really all in on Daniel Jones as the future of the Giants, but I think at least for this will probably be his best chance with the weapons around him. I mean, you, you hopefully knock on wood of a healthy Saquon, who we've seen when he's healthy is one of the most prolific playmakers in the league. You have, I mean, this receiving core is one of the most interesting in the NFL. You'd have to say, I mean, they're one of the highest paid receiving courts in the NFL headlined by Kenny Galladay, who was a massive disappointment. And you're one of his big contract. He, he really was a guy that sort of played to his, to, to what he had been besides the, just the lack of actual production on the field, because he was an injury prone guy in Detroit. And yet he was again with the Giants, but it was just when he was actually on the field, he just didn't have that same explosiveness that he that we've seen in previous years. You have Kadarius Toning, a guy who we saw in that one game last year where he looked like the second coming of Jerry Rice, where he was just shifting in and out of every single player on the field. Don't get me wrong, that was special, but like besides that one performance, it's been a lot of injuries, and and I've heard there's been some locker room issues there with this personality. An interesting decision was drafting Wandale Robinson, who's basically out of the school of Kadarius Tony, like players out of Penn State. He's a similar small gadgety type guy. So I thought it was interesting that one of these first high leverage picks out of the new regime was taking a guy that profiles similarly to a guy already on the roster in Kadarius Tony. But after that, you got solid as always Sterling Shepard. You got Darius Slayton, who's sort of fallen off the map in recent years. So I, I don't think it's really too inspiring of, of a Giants offense this year. They, they went out and drafted Evan Neal, 
who is one of the one of the best offensive linemen in the the draft last year. They also brought in Kayvon Thibodeau, who I know suffered an injury in the preseason. But I mean, there was a point last year where Thibodeau and Neal could have arguably been the one and two overall picks. And sitting back at where the Giants picked, they they were able to get both. So I think that's a huge win for the Giants at places. You win football games in the trenches, O line, D line, and that is what they did. A big time guy to block, a big time guy to 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 get to the quarterback. So I think that was really great for the Giants. But I think while there might even be a path for the Giants to win more games this year than the Jets due to a, a little bit more of a veteran presence and a way easier schedule, we can get into the schedule in just a second. I think the Jets are a little bit further along in their progression to actual relevance. But the Giants do have some things to look out for this year. First year of a new regime. Can Daniel Jones save his career? And could some of these bigger splashes, both in the draft and free agency, actually prove their worth? Well, you also have Saquon Barkley, too, who's looking to prove himself. I mean, this is a guy who's also looking for an extension like Daniel Jones, right? And Saquon, unfortunately, was a great talent, but hasn't been healthy. You know, you mentioned the new regime. I mean, I like everything that Brian Dayball brings. You got a new defensive coordinator in Don Martindale. You got Mike Kapka to help the offense, right? You did lose a couple big pieces. You lost Evan Engram. You lost Logan Ryan, the big safety. But, you know, I think the big thing with the Giants has always been this. Who's protecting Daniel Jones, right? You mentioned the guys that you have in the draft, but the Giants just have this history of not being able to protect their quarterbacks. Now, look, I think Brian Dable coming in, I think is huge. I think Mac, uh, Mike Kafka coming from, I believe he's coming from Kansas City as an offensive assistant, I think is also a big thing because those are two organizations where you're able to protect your quarterback. So we'll see what they can do. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to, what their defense is going to be. And it's all about the offensive line, because no matter what you want to say about Daniel Jones, a big reason why he's been unsuccessful is because he's never had a guy who could block for him. And that was the demise of Eli Manning. And that is going to be the demise of Daniel Jones if it doesn't get fixed right now. So you have two guys who are trying to be stars, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, both looking for extensions. They need to prove themselves right now under a brand new regime, which is only going to give them one year to prove themselves with a Giants club that, like you said, the Jets are way further along than they are. I mean, the Giants have embarrassed themselves the last couple of years. I'm not sugarcoating it. That's just the facts. So, you know, if the guys that they drafted, you know, have a big impact on the team, great. Nowhere near a wild card is this team going to be. But you do want to see some progression because at the end of the day, look, Daniel Jones has been given plenty of opportunity, right? He's been given what this is his fourth year fourth year in the league and he was starting after the second week that first year when he was backing up Eli Manning at the beginning like he's got to have a good year one of these years right uh, it's got to happen you know I'm ne- I was never high on him either you know taking a guy that high out of Duke right you know just doesn't really fit the mold of oh star quarterback but you know Dave Gettleman saw something in him he drafted him and you know Right now, I think for the Giants, you kind of cross your fingers and pray that he that he does something well because I I'm just not seeing it with Daniel Jones. I just really don't. Yeah, I mean this is this is going to be his fourth year. Uh, I mean he his rookie year there was some promise and that was probably the highest I ever was on him. He, he threw 24 touchdowns in in his rookie year in in 13 games, but he hasn't thrown 24 touchdowns in the two years after that combined. So it really shows how the progression of of Daniel Jones has has sort of stalled. And, and you mentioned protection. I mean, their 2020 first round pick, Andrew Thomas, who had a rocky rookie year, has actually came on now and and has really been playing the part of a first round tackle. Like he last year, he was he was really strong and that's a huge development for them. Like we mentioned, they're going to pair the seventh overall pick in this past year's draft, Evan Neal, to hopefully really pr- protect Daniel Jones for 
a legitimate way in the first time of his career. But a lot of it is going to come down to how these guys that the Giants in questionable ways have invested in, like Kadarius Tony at the 20th overall pick in last year's draft. I mean, that is a huge swing on a guy with, with KT that we've seen and sort of has some issues off the field and injury wise, like, like that is a massive swing. Like just even looking back at the jets, the jets got Elijah Moore in the second round in that exact same draft. So it's the decision-making and I get it. It's a new regime and hopefully that decision-making sort of changes, but the, if there's one thing we know about a new regime, especially in football, there will be no one quicker to move on from personnel than a new, a new NFL regime. Like if things do not work, I would not be shocked whatsoever to see Daniel, I don't, I already believe Daniel Jones' fifth year option was not picked up by the Giants. So I would not be shocked if Barkley walked, Galladay was caught, Daniel Jones wasn't the quarterback next year. And we saw KT's name thrown out in, in a couple trade scenarios in the offseason. And I think it's clear that if this does not go the way that the Giants hope it does, there's going to be heavy personnel changes coming up in this offseason and in, in, in really at all of the major positions. I think this is just the start of a a big roster turnover for the Giants in a similar way that we saw the Jets do from McCagnan to Douglas. And I think it's turnover that way, but also the reason for this turnover, you have to look at this division. NFC East is not a good division. Now, I do think the Eagles have a chance to run away with the division this year more than any team has in the last couple of years, but you got to look at some other teams and you got to say, man, like eight wins could get you in a playoff. Like look at Washington, couple years ago what was it seven wins got them in the playoffs playing the Buccaneers in that first round game or maybe six um I and you know their quarterbacks Carson Wentz Chase Young is out you look at Dallas their first five weeks of their schedule is really hard you know CeeDee Lamb's now the number one target now that Amari Cooper's traded and you know the Eagles obviously were the only team that I feel really made a big splash in the offseason in terms of getting somebody um of a big name in that division so I think for the Giants is you know look can a quick rebuild happen if you turn over the roster? I think it can with a regime like this. I mean, you kind of saw what happened when Josh Allen got drafted. He was put in right away. Boom, done. You know, it's possible. The problem is, is that there's no history that the Giants have had of drafting a quarterback who is good right away. You look at some of these other teams, right? Like I just said, Buffalo, Kansas City, Baltimore, like they're all there for the taking. So what's the problem with the Giants trying to get a quarterback who could be good right out of week one of his first year. You know, Daniel Jones is not that answer. And I think for fans and for that organization, they're sick and tired of waiting. You know, I mean, it's, it's taking forever for this guy to actually prove that he was worth the, the high pick that he was. And especially now that you're trying to compete in a division and the Giants are saying, okay, let's try and rebuild instead. And kind of our coaching staff will get us to a point two or three years down the line instead of, okay, listen, this division's not that great. Let's compete right now. It's kind of disheartening for a Giants fan, but at the end of the day, there are guys who they're willing to take a chance on. And you hope that Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley can pan out. Will it happen? Who knows? You hope, right? You, you just hope. You got to. It's, it's the one way that this team as currently constructed has out of this almost, it feels like just an inevitable entire change of things in for the 23 23 season but again Saquon Barkley's a free agent it, it says right here that the Giants did in fact not pick up Daniel Jones's fifth year option so it's really it's now or never for this Giants for the, for the big names on this Giants team and I think that that really is a good point you made about the conference they play in like just when I was putting together my prep sheet for this show what when I was trying to pick a third wild card spot in the NFC 
I was like pulling teeth looking for a team that I think actually deserves to make the playoffs where in the AFC, there was another three teams that I felt bad about leaving out. Like there is a way here that if, if somehow Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley were able to show that they are, that they can play up to what the giants hoped they were going to be from the beginning. This does not have to be this entire full-blown rebuild that we saw the Jets just go through. There is a way out of this where they could be just as early as next year with things break right. They could be competing for a third wild card spot. Like the NFC, it's there for the taking. And even like you said with the Eagles, like that's I, I would say they're probably the favorite to win the division. But like they, I mean, they're in no ways some sort of a powerhouse or a team that I think is unbeatable. Like in for this year, probably not with the Giants, but like next year, the year after, like. This does not have to be an entire strip down if the guys that they took with top 10 picks year after year, Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, Kadarius Tony, this year's picks, Andrew Thomas keeps it going. Like if those guys actually play like top 10 picks, that's really what it comes down to. Or otherwise, Joe Shane is going to completely rip this thing down to the studs and bring in all his own guys. And Brian Dable will be able to pick his own quarterback. And, and that's probably... There's definitely, I think there's a part of Brian Dable and Joe Shane that hope this thing goes down in flames and they could just bring in all their own guys and they could bring this thing, their entire, their own selves. NFL guys are different, man. Like they want to do it their way. We've seen guys get cut that probably didn't even deserve to be cut just because they were part of a previous regime. I think we're seeing it right now, just even, like, is like off topic, like with the Raiders, like Josh Jacobs has been a solid guy every single year of his career and a new regime takes over Josh McDaniels and you already see them draft Zamir White with a mid-round pick. They cut Kenyon Drake. I wouldn't be shocked if Zamir White was the Raiders starting running back but after the bye. Like, and Josh Jacobs has done absolutely nothing to deserve that. Like, he's been a, sol- a solid Pro Bowl level player every single year of his career. But guys like bringing in their own players and putting their stamp on a team. And that is what I think the Giants face coming into this season. And I think it's because you got guys that are now part of this new regime that have proved themselves that they could develop young talent elsewhere. Like, look, you look at all the guys who came from the whole Bill Belichick system, right? You know, Bill Belichick, those are Bill's guys that he either brought in via free agency or the luck of the draw that they developed into good Super Bowl contending teams, right? That's not how it's going to work with the Giants, right? Because you got Brian Dayball, right? Who just came from the Bills, where he was part of the process of drafting and developing Josh Allen and a lot of that other core part of their Buffalo offense, right? So What's going to be the deal with Brian Dable? Is it, oh, treat Daniel Jones like he's, you know, the future of the team? Or would it make more sense for him to say, okay, let him just ride out the last year, go 5-11 and 11 maybe, and, you know, go into next year and bring in a whole new set of guys because he's got a reputation of developing young guys into good players. It's the same thing with everybody else on their coaching staff. And Joe Shane would probably want the same thing too. It's a new school era of coaching that I think the Giants have brought in and a new school of being in the front office because it's not the same way where, oh, you know, plucking free agents here and there is going to get you places. No, you look at all these teams and the way they're successful is the way they've brought in guys with high draft picks and have been able to develop them quickly. And that's always been a problem with the Giants. They've never had a guy who's been a top pick who has developed into just an elite figure like you'd hope now Saquon was supposed to be that guy but he unfortunately has been injured and when he's been playing he hasn't been 100 healthy I get it but I think also the expectation of why Giants fans are always so frustrated is that like you said this division is not that good I do think the Eagles will run away but it could take a really small thing change to Daniel Jones to get the Giants right in the hunt in the NFC East so 
Does Brian DeBow want to change that next year? Yes, he will. If it's a, something so minuscule where he could just say, oh, I'll just draft the guy and develop him myself, which I think he's going to do when Daniel Jones leads the Giants to a 5-11 season. I'm just being honest. It was just a couple of years ago. I, I literally remember it. The Giants were in the midst of the division race, and they could have legitimately won it with six games. I'm like, it, you can't make up the way that this division just opens itself up to these, these teams that have no business being where they are being where they are and it's just like the giants if they get the right break here and there with these guys they put so much faith in over the years this does not have to be what a full-blown rebuild i keep saying it but like you you brought in daniel jones and you actually brought in you went out of your way like through the draft and free agency to actually put people around them you would think a couple years ago two years ago if i told you they were going to have saquon barkley kenny galladay and another and two top 40 receivers out of the draft. We wouldn't know the names yet because it was two years ago, but that would be around Daniel Jones. You'd be like, oh my God, we should be winning the division. But now that we see what's happened to Saquon and we see what's happened to, to Kenny Galladay and especially the Giants, you don't look at it the same. But in reality, that's sort of what they've, they've put. Their, they've thrown their chips in the middle and said, this is what we're rolling with. So I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, we haven't really mentioned the defense yet. I don't think it's anything special. I mean, Aziz Ojoari last year, looked pretty good in his first year. I mean, they have they have Leonard Williams from from the Jets. They have Kavon. The the pass rush should be one of the better parts of this defense. Uh, there's really not. I mean, you, you still have you're still paying a Dory Jackson, whose best years are behind them, and Xavier McKinney's a nice safety. But but I think it's probably going to be a below average defensive unit. So I mean, if you're telling me that this offense is going to need to carry the Giants. I don't think that looks the best for this season. No, not at all. And that's a big loss is too, to touch on it real quick. Like I said, Logan Ryan is gone. I mean, yeah. Jabril Preppers is not there anymore. So, you know, <laughs> watching the Giants over the last years, you know, have they ever been good on defense? Not really. Right. No. It, it's supposed to be like Jason Pierre Paul. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, and then look what that got him, you know, but it, it's supposed to be the Giants now are supposed to be an offensive driven team where I think, Again, it's 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 not right to look at it like it was 15 years ago or 10 years ago when they won their Super Bowls, but those teams were so defensively driven and they just let Eli Manning do their thing because the pieces were around him. This is a point where the defense is just so, I'll use the word mediocre for the Giants right now, that no matter if Daniel Jones, you go out there like on a week six and say, oh, like he has a really good game, but then the defense lets up 40 points. So it's like, what do you do? Right. You know, it, it, the Giants defense just hasn't had any competency to it in the last like four or five years. So that's also a problem with this team as well. You know, but again, I think it all relies on Daniel Jones and if he has a good year or not. And if he doesn't have a good year, then you know what? Dayball and Shane get together in the offseason and say, you know what? Blow it up. I, I think so, that's there's there's nothing more that you could look into this Giants season than guys are playing for their jobs. Guys are playing for their NFL futures. Uh, you mentioned it, but I, I think this is similar to the Jets like. This is a four to six win team. I think they're the worst team in their division. I, I think th it's really just going to be another one of those years for Giants fans that lumps in with the last five where it's just a whole lot of what ifs and a whole lot of if we got this here and it's, that's just what it's going to be for this Giants team. I don't really see anything that gives me any reason to believe that this should be a team competing for a wild card berth or even really anything close to it. Uh, and, and the NFC is not the best division. We're going to get into that just after this with our playoff picks, but like there, there's some teams that I think have way better chances and, and they're not the best teams. These teams I'm comparing them to. I just think the giants have found themselves sort of 
a year away from making that true regime overhaul. And then you could really start seeing reaping the benefits of Shane and Dable bringing in their own guys on top of, obviously they got their start this year with Neil and Thibodeau, who we haven't seen play yet, but from everything we've seen in college and what the scouts have said, these are some good ball players. So I, I think this is just going to be the sort of a formality that the giants have to go through this season with this personnel just to get to the point where they could actually be like, okay, now we've seen what we need to see. It's time to move on here. But I, I would be, I would be shocked shocked that Daniel Jones is the giant starting quarterback next year. That yeah, would mean I, he played so well that they passed on this quarterback class that is looking by the day more stacked. I would be, I mean, that would really say something about Daniel Jones. That would probably mean he's a pro bowler. That, that would probably be the outcome here because if he's not, then what do you have to lose? Like, like even if he's mediocre, what's the point or average? Like what's the point of sticking with that when in order to win the Super Bowl, you're going to have to be, complete transcendent superstars you might you're gonna have to shoot for the highest of highs and even if daniel jones plays average football he's gone so daniel daniel jones being the giants quarterback next year will probably mean he was a pro bowler this year and daniel jones 2022 pro bowler is just not something i see in the cards and i also think it doesn't help that this year is going to be challenging because the giants i think are still going to try to compete for division title and you got Tyrod Taylor as your backup quarterback who I really don't think Brian DeBole is afraid to just stick in there and say okay like take over the team for a week and see what happens I really don't think Brian Dable would be afraid to do that especially if you're in contention you know in the midpoint of the season so again it's all going to rely on how Daniel Jones does you mentioned if he's average at best it's maybe that they keep him right I mean there's just I'd no say reason. probably not they didn't yeah. pick up his fifth year option for a reason yeah, I mean, look, it's either you get Daniel Jones as best this year or you don't see him in a Giants uniform again. It's that simple. There's not much more to talk about other than that. I think no. the Giants, look, it's based on Daniel Jones. And if not, look, he's gone. Saquon's gone too after this. It's going to be a big year for the Giants this year. And they have to have a good one in order to keep the fans satisfied and say, okay, you know what, we're going to blow them up. And we all know Giants fans, they are not very easy to please. So we'll see what happens, but it, it will be interesting in the next couple of years. I, I think we could only keep rephrasing the same point so many times that this, this is really a, a make or break year for this roster. And, and I think that is what the Giants are looking for in this upcoming season. I, I think it's time that we move on from the locals and really look at the league as a whole here. I mean, it is, there are some powerhouse teams in the NFL and, and I've just like, like I'm a predictions guy. Like that's me. Like I love predicting things. I love just looking at the future and, it was fun, like actually sitting down and like picking who I think wins these divisions, picking who I think these wild cards, my Super Bowl picks. I, I think it was, it's just exciting to really, because this is something like when the season's over, we're going to look back and be like, wow, Brandon was a moron. How did he not see this team coming? How did Harris pick this team to win the division? Like, that's what's so great about predictions, because you could look back and hold each other accountable. So I, I think it's, it's, it's that time that we just start getting into these these playoff picks, and, and, and I guess I'll, I'll get it rolling here. I'm going to start with my AFC division winners. Let's, let's start there. I have the Buffalo Bills winning the AFC East, and I also have them as my number one seed, so that would mean a bye. The only first-round bye in the AFC, one per conference. My AFC North winner is the Ravens. My AFC South winner is the Indianapolis Colts. And my AFC West winner, easily the most challenging, four teams all very – deserving we'll, we'll get into each of those teams in a second but i went with the los angeles chargers so the bills ravens colts and chargers are my four division winners for this season in my head 
we'll see how that ends up unfolding. But that is what I have right now. Harris, you want to weigh out yours and then we could dive into it a little? Yeah, I mean, I'm honestly going to agree with you on all those points, except for the West. Like, look, in my opinion, I think the AFC West is the hardest division in football. And I think, obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs have some holes to fill because Tyreek Hill is no longer a chief. I think Russell Wilson going into Denver and this whole new regime of a new owner, new coach, I think is big. And the Chargers, who always had a good defense, but were not very good last year on the defensive side of the ball. They got better. But I do think one of the dark horses, I think, in the entire league is going to be the Las Vegas Raiders. Wow. And and, and here's why, right? Look, there are no more distractions with Derek Carr and this Raiders team. John Gruden's gone. All this nonsense about moving the team, whatever, yada, 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 whatever, right? You finally have locked in your coach in McDaniels, right? You saw the season that that they could have had last year if it wasn't beat up by the Bengals. They ran into a really good Bengals team. And now you you brought in Chandler Jones to pair with Max Crosby on defense, right? To, to, in my opinion, a defense that was really good in the first place. And you added Devontae Adams to pair with Hunter Renfro. And you have a good quarterback like Derek Carr, who I think in all his years in the league has just been praying that he would get just one good receiver to complement one of his average receivers that he has at best. We saw what they could do last year in all the controversy that that organization went through last year. They somehow were able to pull out a playoff berth. I think this year that the chiefs are going to have some setbacks. Um, I, I, I do think the chargers could be in the case for a wild card. And I really don't think Denver is going to be that good this year. I think it's going to take a little time for Russell Wilson to get used to everything. I don't think, Denver's receiving core is as good as people say it is. I mean, don't get me wrong. Jerry Judy's very good, but Cortland Sutton, I, I don't, I, he's a game changing receiver. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think he takes a team over the top in a stacked division like this. I honestly think that Derek Carr finally has the pieces around him. And there's finally some optimism in Vegas where you could say, Hey, like <laughs> this is a team that's go far. I'm not saying that they're going to win the Super Bowl. Don't get me wrong, but I think the Raiders are the biggest dark horse in the league. And like you mentioned with the whole Josh Jacobs things going on. I mean, look, if Josh Jacobs is not the running back after their bye week, clearly, like, there's something good going on, right? Because then you have two solid running backs back there. So uh, I think the Raiders could be a really good dark horse. It's about time that De- Derek Carr, I think, needs to have a good year. I think the NFL wants to see him have a good year. So I- I'm going Raiders here winning the division. I'm going to preface what I'm about to say with I think Derek Carr is one of the most disrespected and underrated players in the NFL. Now, what I'm about to say is that they are the only AFC West team that I do not have in the postseason. Fair. It, it's just one of those divisions where I personally believe that all when it's so stacked like that, I'm always going to resort back to quarterback and head coach. And as much as I like the moves they made, you mentioned Chandler Jones, Devontae Adams. I mean, those are as big game changers on both sides of the ball as you could get. But I'm going to roll with, with Justin Herbert, with Patrick Mahomes, with Russell Wilson. The Chiefs still have Andy Reid. The Brandon Staley looked like a pretty good head coach last year. I know he had that atomic blunder in that Raider game at the end of the year, but I think he showed a lot of good signs. And with the Broncos, they brought in Nathaniel Hackett, a pretty good mind there too. I mean, of course he's a rookie coach and that's part of my reasoning with, with McDaniels, but Russell Wilson's there. So it's that division is great. I mean, just to run through the other picks, I don't want to just glance over them. I mean, the Buffalo bills, they, that's a no brainer. They were a, they, they were a coin flip away from possibly going to the Super Bowl last year. You could easily argue if they win that game against Kansas City, they steamroll the Bengals. I mean, they have everything. They were a top unit on both sides of the ball last year. Josh Allen's as elite as it gets. I mean, Diggs, 
They, they bring in James Cook on defense, the safeties. They should be getting back uh, Tredavious White. I mean, they are just – they bring in Von Miller, a guy that all he does is attack the QB and win. Like, that team is dominant. There's really no big contender in that division. We talked about the Jets. The Dolphins did some good things, but they're probably on that wild card tier. And I think the Patriots are in for a big disappointment this year. But the Bills, I mean, how, how could you not think that they're going to win that division? And we're going to get – I mean, he's, they're definitely – I just saw the NFL Network, their their main talent released their Super Bowl picks, and every single one of them had the Bills in the Super Bowl. I think that's a little much for a conference that is so much high in talent, but the, the Bills are – what's not to like about the Bills? Right. I mean, that's a no-brainer, like, just based on personnel that they brought in. Look, Von Miller is a veteran, but he can still bring it every night. I think that's, the, that's a big piece that they got. Obviously, Josh Allen's going to get better, and that team's hungry because of the way they lost in the playoffs last year to Kansas City. Now, you know, Miami somehow got to 9-8 and eight last year, but they changed their coach. A lot of controversy in the offseason. Obviously, they did get Tyreek Hill. They're so – it's a coin flip what they're going to do, right? We talked about the Jets, and honestly, I agree with you saying that the New England Patriots are in for a rude awakening. They did not spend any money this offseason. This is, a, this is a Patriots team that spent a lot of money. I think they spent like $250 million last offseason. They off went nuts. They went crazy because everyone was worried, oh, Belichick can't do this, Belichick can't do that, whatever. What happened? You know, they got all these pieces, and they were able to make – they were able to make the playoffs, but they got exposed. They they got exposed to the playoffs, which everyone knew was going to happen at some point. Look, Mac Jones was not going to be Mr. Oh, Mr. Pretty boy consistent. Like Tom Brady was year after year and game after game each season. Right. They just didn't do enough in the off season. They didn't do anything to me that says, okay, like we can sustain the fact that we can go out and easily grab a wild card spot, especially with how hard the AFC is going to be this year. I just think the Patriots are in for a rude awakening because, you know, it's for the first time in I think a while that they have not willingly gone out and spent money in the offseason. They really just, I mean, they, there was nothing. They went nuts. They, they brought in Matt Judon and they brought in a, a couple of tight ends, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith and, yeah. And and the four and Kendrick Bourne from the 49ers, just guys that are not going to move the needle. And like last year, like they were what they were. Like Mac Jones was a solid rookie QB. They made the playoffs, got exposed by the Bills, end of story. And I don't even think this year is going to go as good as it did last year for them. I do not see them being a postseason team. I mean, I just do not like like I'll get into Mac Jones a little later when we when we break down some individual players, but I, I'm really not loving this Pats team. I think it's the Bills to run away with it. Um, let's move on to the AFC South, another division where you really there's two options. It seems like you're either going to roll with the the incumbent division champ Titans or the Indianapolis Colts. We we both went Colts. I mean, simply put, that team has championship structure from the defense, the O line, the coach. Like they have all the bones of a dynamite team, but they've been failed at QB year after year after year. Carson Wentz, Jacoby Brissett, um, Philip Rivers. They bring in Matt Ryan, who is he in the prime of his career? No. Is he going to be the MVP? No. But is Matt Ryan going to be the best quarterback play they've had since Andrew Luck? I feel pretty confident in saying yes. And Jonathan Taylor has proven himself as one of the league's biggest stars. I like the Colts a lot. The Titans sort of under, I mean, the Titans just collapsed last year in the playoffs against the Bengals. They were the one seed and they just, they just totally flopped on their home field in the divisional series. They lose AJ Brown. They replace him with rookie Traylon Burks, who I like, but he's not AJ Brown. So Derek Henry's coming off a huge injury. Ryan Tannehill sort of got exposed. I think it's the Colts year to get that division back. 
Yeah, like you're right. Like, look, I think when Ryan Tannehill came into his own with Tennessee, I think it was a great story for the league, but it was a matter of time till when he was going to get exposed. I don't think Derrick Henry is going to stay healthy. Their receiver core, you know, it's hard to replace a guy like A.J. Brown who um, caught for 1,000 yards in two of his first three seasons of the NFL, right? But I kind of like what the Colts are doing here. You know, when you bring in Phillip Rivers a couple of years ago, right, to be that veteran QB, it wasn't like Phillip Rivers was bad. I mean, Phillip Rivers was, was a solid – QB to have and everyone's saying, Hey, you know, maybe he'll come back one more year. I think you can do the same with Matt Ryan and kind of resurrect his career in a short-term way. And I think that's what the Colts have been needing for a while now is a short-term quarterback two maybe three years out of a veteran guy who can get you to the playoffs and really construct a good roster to make a deep run. I think the Colts have it right there. Jonathan Taylor, in my opinion, I think, you know, he's in an MVP conversation. Like he is, he is that good. So I think the Colts, obviously that's an easy prediction for them. And that division, like, look, the Texans are no good. Like, the, 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 you know, every article that you read just prefaces Deshaun Watson, and he's not, even, he's not even allowed to play the first half of the season. You know, so who cares, right? It's just, it's unsuitable. Obviously, we know Jacksonville is Jacksonville. Uh, you know, I think it's the, it's the Colts division to win this year. I think, you know what, it, it would be a good story if the Titans were able to keep it together and win a division, but I don't think they're going far in a playoff if they do. So that's why I think Indy it's their time to shine in that division. And yeah, just to round it out, you mentioned the Jaguars, they replace the, the disgraced um, former Ohio state coach. Urban Meyer. Yeah. Urban Meyer. They bring in Doug Peterson who, who had a rough ending in Philly, but he, he's, he's definitely respected. You, I think Trevor Lawrence is due for some positive progression. I mean, they went out and they reset the entire wide receiver market by paying Christian Kirk. Yep. That set the league on fire and resulted in Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill being traded. But whatever, Christian Kirk's a solid player. He'll be a good weapon for them. They get Travis Etienne back, Trevor's buddy from Clemson. I think that's huge. He should be one of the better young running backs in the league, and he has a good connection with Trevor already. They're probably that third-place team for me. I'll put them after the Titans, and then the Texans are in full-blown rebuild mode. But agreed. I, th- I think it's the Colts division this year. I think they even have a sneaky path to the bye just because of the division they play in. I think the North and the West are so competitive one through four that if the Bills slipped up a little bit, stumbled, I think there's a path to that Colts buy because I just think their division is so weak that they could actually really pounce on some of those games. So I I think- Absolutely. Like you are are so right with that. I mean, look, Buffalo is bound to slip up at some point, right? I mean- they're, look, the Patriots are going to be competitive, even though they're not making the playoffs this year, in my opinion. Miami's still going to be competitive. They have a hard schedule. Buffalo has a hard schedule, that is. Look, I, I just think the Colts have done so much and have been waiting so long, and they've slowly, year after year after year, built a roster that just hasn't been able to do anything. Now's the time to do it. Like, it's now or never for the Colts, in my opinion. Like, if you're bringing in all these guys that have finally come together, this is the year to do it. Like there is no next year for this team, honestly. It's either this year, I'm not saying they're going to blow it up, but you finally have the proper pieces in place to get a good roster together. Now, I, I love this Colts team, but let's, let's move it on to the AFC North. We both had the Ravens division champs. This is a team that I will throw my neck on the line for this year. I love the Baltimore Ravens this year. And really, I mean, you, you look at the division, they have the Pittsburgh Steelers who are seemingly good every year. They, they still have Mike Tomlin. They still have their great defense. They draft Kenny Pickett. They sign Mitch Trubisky, whatever. They'll, they'll probably be around the average wildcard contender. You have the Browns who bring in Deshaun Watson, and he's going to miss the first 11 games, but they have a good team otherwise. And then you have the defending AFC champ, Baltimore, Cincinnati Bengals, who, for all things considered, their one big weakness was the L-line, and they go out and they, and they bring in a pro bowler from the Cowboys, 
and they they really revamped that that O line. And it's a pretty good that, that team's gonna be legit. They still have Jamar, they still have T. Higgins, they still have Mixon. Joe Burrow is the man. Like, like that is a great team, but for me, it's the Ravens. I mean, Lamar Jackson, contract year. Come on. This is a That's reigning, the big kicker. Give me a break. This is the a reigning MVP in a contract year. I think Lamar Jackson is gonna ball. Rashad Bateman, one of the biggest second year breakout receivers, I think, in the league this year. He's the number one guy with Holly Brown, Hollywood Brown in Arizona. Mark Andrews firmly breaks onto the scene this year. They're and, and like a big thing with them is like the injuries last year, their entire, basically their entire run game and entire secondary was taken out by injuries. You lose JK Dobbins. Okay, fine. At least they had uh, Gus Edwards. He was, you lose him too. The entire year, they had no legitimate run game. Marcus Peters was out for the year. And just like that entire team of guys that you really felt confident in sort of went down injury by injury. And that led to that disappointing season. But I love this upcoming Ravens team. They had a great draft. They bring in Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame, a guy that was supposed to be a top five pick. But you know what? His position, he's a safety. It pushed him back a little bit. They bring in Tyra Winderbaum. Keep helping that O-line. I mean, I think this Ravens team is as legit as they come this year. When they're fully healthy, it's going to take Dobbins a little bit to get back. But between him, Bateman, and Andrews for Lamar should be pretty nice. I mean, they, they, they bring in. Winderbomb. They have some staples of just solid lines with Ronnie Stanley and and Kevin Zeitler have just been part of good Morgan Moses. They bring in from the Jets, like just good vets that are can protect. Like I mentioned, they bring in. I mean, they bring in Marcus Williams from the Saints, the, the high high impact safety. That secondary with him. I mentioned they got back Marcus Peters. They also get back Marlon Humphrey, who was out all last year. These are some big playmakers. Chuck Clark. I mean, come on, this secondary is going to be electric. I think this Ravens team. J- John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, John Harbaugh is as legit as they come. Jim Harbaugh, keep, keep doing your thing at Michigan. John Harbaugh is legit as they come. I think the Ravens are a force to be reckoned with. I think people forgot about Humphrey. I mean, this was a guy who was a real solid player, a guy who could make plays a couple turnover machine, you know, right. I mean, he was a guy who could make plays, but I think it all comes out of this. Look, and I'll make it quick. I love the Bengals. I'm a, I'm a big bandwagon on the Bengals. I love them. Joe Burrow's the guy. I love Jamar Chase. I think he's got a great vibe. I think the Bengals have a great team, and they'll be in a wild card spot. But it all comes down to Lamar Jackson. Contract year, he's just going to ball out, man, because what does he have to lose? He's going to play like a guy where he's going to go out there every single game, and he's just going to sling. Because, look, this guy's got nothing to lose because guess what? If he has – an average year, he's still going to get paid. And if he has a great year, he's going to be the highest paid quarterback in the league. So huh, what do you got to lose? No, Lamar's that guy. I think we see MVP Lamar. Uh, simply put, I-, I love this team. I mean, we'll, a little sneak preview for my Super Bowl pick. I love the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, let's, let's, since we pretty much hit on every single team, let's get to the wild cards. I have my first wild card, Kansas City Chiefs. Second wild card, Cincinnati Bengals. Third wild card, Denver Broncos. I mean, the Chiefs are still going to be great. Like they lose Tyreek, but they still have Kelsey. They still have Mahomes. They still have Andy Reid. The Bengals, they're not going to fully miss after they made the Super Bowl. I think they improved the roster, but I think they're going to see a little bit of a regression standings wise, just because there's some a lot of other improved teams. And the Broncos with Russell Wilson. I mean, they have a pretty good defense. Their weapons are questionable. I agree, but I think Russ and the defense should be enough to at least squeeze them into that third wild card spot. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Look, the, the AFC West is huge. I, I'm, I'm personally not a huge believer in Denver. Um, I do think they'll be good in a couple, you know, two years from now. But I, I think Russell Wilson, look, he was so good with Seattle and he was so displeased by what was going on. 
I, I think they kind of screwed him up in the head. I think there's a slight possibility that he could be in for a little rude awakening. And I don't know why I just got this feeling about, you know, look, it's a new, it's a new, it's a new environment for Russell Wilson, right? He's been with the Seahawks for so long and he's been so good. Now he's with this Denver team. It's all brand new to him. Right. And this is a guy who's ego driven. He wants to win yada, 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 but he's got to comply with an organization that has a lot of homegrown talent that they've brought up. And now you just plug in Russell Wilson and you're going to say, Oh, you know, we're going to make the playoffs. So, you know, I've replaced the Chargers with them in that wild card. I mean, I agree with everything, but I look at the Chargers. I love Justin Herbert. Again, the Chargers defense, I think, was fifth worst in the league in uh, most points allowed last year or something like that. And they got Khalil Mack. They got Kyle Van Noy. They got J.C. Jackson. You know, I, I think the Chargers defense, I think, is good and can stand up to be a wild card. Like you said, you had them winning the division. I think it's going to be an AFC West-driven playoff. And so I think the Chargers get in. Um, I do like Denver, but I think uh, that's a next year thing for the Broncos to be good. Yeah, I mean, good point bringing up the Chargers. I, I never actually ran through why I have them in the division, but just quickly put, I think Justin Herbert is is as big of a playmaker as there is in football. I mean, all this guy does is just be dynamic and electric every single week. They, Like you said, they bring in Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson, big-time pass rusher, big-time player in the secondary. And, they, I mean, they have weapons galore. Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. They bring in Gerald Everett. But like, this team is loaded with weapons. I, I mean – I, last year ended sourly for them. It was, it's just brutal how the Chargers continue to get in their own way, it feels like. But if this team here with Justin Herbert at the helm, with those weapons, with that defense, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, I mean, it's star power all over the field. Like, I, that's why I had them for the division. But you, so your wild cards were the Chiefs, Bengals, and Chargers with the Raiders yeah. division winner. And I had the Chargers division winner with the Chiefs, Bengals, and Broncos. It's going to be driven by the West. No, I, I, I really think it is. It's going to go through the West. So it, it seems like there's a good amount of similarities there. It seems like the West is really where we had that little difference between the Broncos and the Raiders as a playoff team. But for the most part, we're pretty much on the same page here with, with the AFC outlook. But yeah, I think we, we've taken a good look at this, this loaded AFC this year. And I think it's time to move on to the NFC. It's, it's definitely a more interesting conference. There's been a lot of change at the top. But for me, just to quickly get into my, my picks, for the NFC East, I have the Eagles. The NFC North, I have the Green Bay Packers, who I have slated as my number one seed, getting that by. The NFC South, I have the Buccaneers. And for the NFC West, I have the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, look, for, again, first three, I think, are all pretty solid. For some reason, I'm not buying the 49ers at all. I think it's just the whole <laughs> Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo that whole controversy, it just doesn't please me for some reason. It just doesn't. I think they got lucky that Debo Samuel's coming back. They got really lucky. It's a new era. Too much is different there in San Francisco, in my opinion. So, look, I'm not going Cardinals. I, I, I am not very high on them. Definitely not going Seahawks. I think the Rams honestly repeat as a division winner. I think they have a lot of veteran guys who are just too good. You know what I mean? Like Matt Stafford has really finally – we always knew he was good with Detroit, and he finally won a Super Bowl. He's going to be really good. They got Aaron Donald back. Once they got Aaron Donald back, confirmed that he wasn't retiring, I think it's like, okay, you know, the Rams are back. They're going to win the division, and they're going to make another deep playoff run. Now, I will say I do agree that Tampa Bay will win the division, but I do say I do think that they're going to have a couple challenges in that division, and we'll get into it with wild card picks um, pretty soon or even right now. But I mean. I love the Saints. I think it's a new era there. Jameis Winston, there's a lot of hype around him. 
Michael Thomas is coming back there, and they added Ty Matthew, and they also got Jarvis Landy, Landry, excuse me. But I mean, we'll touch on the Carolina Panthers in a moment, but I think the whole Baker Mayfield thing's a hit or miss, and I love it. I think there's a good vibe of football right now in Carolina. I think the Panthers are going to give a good challenge to the Buccaneers. And, you know, with me been living in the Tampa Bay area for the last few months and, you know, kind of talking to some people, there's something fishy going on with the Bucs. You know, that whole Tom Brady absence thing is, is something to be worried about, in my opinion. I do think he's going to be the same Tom Brady that we have seen forever, but I do think there will be some changes to the Bucs. So I think it's going to the NFC South will be a little more challenging this year than what it is than what it has been in the last couple. No, you make some good points. I mean, the NFC West is obviously like you have the defending champ Rams. They bring, they bring in Allen Robinson. They bring in Bobby Wagner. Like they still have the star power, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford. The, the list goes on and on. I don't know. I, I feel weird about the 49ers, this whole Trey Lance, Jimmy G situation. But like that roster to me is just so legit. Like their defense, Kyle Shanahan's great. I mean, the weapons, Debo, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. I mean, these are some serious weapons. I just feel like it was like the that we saw the 49ers go on a deep playoff run last year as well. But I just think, I don't know, this Matt Stafford elbow thing, it's sort of rubbing me the wrong way a little bit. Like, at, like we saw Aaron Donald was contemplating retirement. Like, could that result in something? Maybe he just doesn't go full throttle in the regular season. Cooper Cup. He's not, I mean, that was one of the great receiving seasons of all time. It'd be shocking if he repeated that. Like, I, and I, I, of course, like I'm going to have the Rams in my playoff picture, but like, I just think the 49ers are going to have a bigger sense of urgency considering the Rams won the Super Bowl. The Niners are going to have more of a chip on their shoulder. Trey Lance has the keys, to the, the keys to the Corvette now really with that roster. Like, I think that team's going to be pushing really hard for that division title. The, that's just how I see it. I, I mean, I could easily be the Rams, but I think the 49ers are going to play with a little bit more of an edge, a little more the sense of urgency. The Bucks, I, I don't think it's a guarantee, but as long as Tom Brady's running the show over there, I, I have to pick them to win the division. Chris Godwin is actually looking good to play week one at this point, which is a pretty great comeback for them. I mean, Godwin is, is a real nice player there. They still have Mike Evans. The one thing with the Bucks that that does that did caught my eye was losing Ryan Jensen. I mean, he has been a staple on their O-line for these good Buccaneer runs. And now the fact that they're going to be without him, that's going to have an impact like that. Is, and the protection is with every year, of course, he's an older quarterback, Tom Brady, like he's not mobile. So having that good protection up front is key, but that's not enough to move me off the bucks of the division. And then I guess just to get into the other two division winners that I had that you also agreed with the green Bay Packers. I mean, they lost Devontae Adams and don't get me wrong. He's, in my opinion, the best receiver in football. That is a big loss. But at the end of the day, this is a team with the back-to-back reigning MVP and Aaron Rodgers. They have a great run game with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, who are going to be featured even more this year. They, they, I mean, they had two really good running backs the last couple of years. They didn't even need to go crazy with them because they, Aaron and Devontae were just on another level. Now you're going to see them really used in, in more, both in the run and pass game. And that defense was so good last year. Like As long as they lost to Darius Smith, which, which, was a, which is a notable name. But at the end of the day, I don't think there's a team there that's ready to just overtake an Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers yet. Uh, I think as long as Aaron Rodgers is still playing at this level, and I don't think he would have signed that big contract if he wasn't committed to, to still being the an MVP caliber player along with, like I said, the, they, and, and the receiving core is still interesting. They, they bring in Christian Watson through the draft. Alan Lazard has a chance to step up this year. 
Romeo Dubs is a name that's picked up a lot of steam in the offseason. Like, and, and none of the all of them combined aren't half of the Devontae Adams, but I think there's enough elsewhere that will keep the Packers up top in that division. And, and the reason I go with the number one seed there is a similar logic to the Colts. I think that division has enough openings that they could just stack wins and that'll lead to the bye. And then the Eagles is, is an interesting one. I mean, the Cowboys offseason really was not my favorite. I mean, you lose Amari Cooper, who's been a, a solid member of their their receiving core for for the last three years you lose randy gregory a big part of that pass rush and and then you lose williams the offensive lineman that went to the Bengals. i mean those are three pro bowl caliber players that leave your team and they really didn't go crazy to replace them i mean you're, you're gonna have they, they lose tyron smith too another guy goes down he's gonna he is gonna be out i think till at least december which i mean at that rate you know could be the whole regular season if, if they don't pick it if you don't, if they don't get off to a good start right so, so you take you take two of their starting offensive linemen off that line, your guy that's been your number one receiver and your top pass rusher. I mean, that's a pretty big loss. And, and, and I'm sure they're expecting that if Zach Martin's healthy and CD lamb is due for a huge year this year. And then you hope that Zeke's fully healthy, but I don't even think all that is enough for to, to overcome the losses there. And I like Dak Prescott, but like if Justin Herbert was on this offense, like maybe I feel differently or like, <laughs> I, I just I like Dak Prescott, but I just don't think it's it's enough to really actually make this team a full blown division winner when the Eagles, who had a really good year last year, one of the best O lines in the league, goes out and gets AJ Brown and and, and gives Jalen Hurts that full capability. I mean, they they bring in Devonta Smith last year in the draft. I just think this Eagles team's ready to take that step more so than the bank than the Cowboys are to stay up top. Yeah, the Eagles are making that big step. We touched on it earlier. I think to go back to the Packers, look, you, you mentioned some young receivers that they have. They also got some veterans, too. I mean, Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins is there this year. And don't forget, defense, which was really good for them last year, they added those two first-rounders from Georgia also on, on their front line. So I think, you know, that's a Packers team. You look at teams like Dallas who, you know, they lost some big stars, but they didn't improve. Green Bay lost Devontae Adams, but Green Bay improved in the offseason with what they did at the draft as well. So, you know, look, Aaron Rodgers is going to be MVP Aaron Rodgers. I wouldn't be shocked if he wins an MVP again, even though he doesn't have Devontae Adams. But look, I think the Packers are obviously a force to be reckoned with, especially in a division where you have Detroit and Chicago, which are hard to cut, which, you know, those teams are easy run-throughs. And, you know, I, I really think the Vikings are really the only challenge that the Packers even have. And even then, Aaron Rodgers always kills the Vikings. No, I totally agree there. I just want to correct myself. Will, Jonah Williams is the Bengals' left tackle. The the guy that left the Cowboys for the Bengals, Lyle Collins. Yes. A guy that's been fantastic for them for years. And I just think between Lyle Collins, Amari Cooper, Randy Gregory, I just don't feel the same way I feel about that. Last year, I think Dallas could have won the Super Bowl. I, like, seriously, like, that team, I think, was they had offensive firepower. They had Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs making plays left and right. I just thought that team had the upside and I saw the path to the end of the tunnel. I don't see it with this Cowboys team. And I think it's, it's Jalen hurts. I think Nick Sirianni has a good thing going there in Philly. I, I I'm with you. I think Philly breaks through this year. I don't see the Eagles as a team to make postseason noise, but I think they're a team. This should be their division of things break, right? Because at the end of the day, the talent gap, which there was last year, I don't think there's a talent gap anymore with what the Cowboys have suffered. No, there's really not. And look, I think that division's waiting for a team to really set a standard, right? I mean, we, we mentioned it earlier in the podcast, like who's a team that's going to win you seven games? Enough with winning seven games. Who's going to win you nine? Who's going to win you 10? Right, I think the Eagles finally have that roster con uh, construction to do that. The Cowboys just don't. Simple.
hard to hard to deny that unless I mean, and even so, Michael Gallup, who they bring back, like who's been a good receiver, he's injured. He's coming off a big injury. Like like they're going to be relying on some guys that I'm sure Cowboys fans do not wish they had to early, especially in this first half of the year. But the speaking of the Cowboys, maybe we have them in our in our wild card outlook. Let's let's get into that right here. If you want to start with your three wild card teams in order. Yeah, look, I mean, this is challenging in my opinion. So, uh, you know, my free picks, I'm going, you know, I'd say a couple dark horses in my opinion. I think the New Orleans Saints are going to be one. I think, surprisingly, the Minnesota Vikings will be two. And number three, you know, I'm, I'm really loving the vibe that the Carolina Panthers are bringing. I, I just don't know why. I, I think there's a good opportunity there. Look, Matt rules under a lot of criticism right now, but I think Baker Mayfield's got the biggest chip on his shoulder in the entire league, right? I mean, this is a guy who just was not believed in at all in Cleveland. I think he gets traded for literally nothing to a Carolina team that has always had the potential to be good, but it's obviously all a matter of is Christian McCaffrey going to stay healthy or not? I just think Baker Mayfield, you look at the chip on his shoulder that he's had for all the years he's been in the league, number one overall pick, finally gets Cleveland to where they were. And then they move on from him. You bring him to a Carolina team where, you know, there just hasn't been much optimism around that organization lately. And you pair him with McCaffrey and, you know, DJ Moore is a solid receiver. I think Carolina is going to make some noise solely because Baker Mayfield's got a chip on his shoulder. Now I've already mentioned the saints and I know what they could do. And, you know, I think the Vikings have a similar situation to what Baltimore has with Lamar Jackson with Kirk Cousins. I think this is a guy in his final year of his contract. He's got to try and prove something here, right? I think we've seen Kirk Cousins clutch up in the past. I think Dalvin Cook is one of the top-tier running backs in the league, and Justin Jefferson proved himself to have a really good rookie year. So now those are the offensive standards of why I think those teams are going to make the playoffs. Now, I know what some of you are probably thinking. You're probably thinking this too. Well, why not the Arizona Cardinals? Maybe. Well, I just think they lost a lot. Like, they lost Christian Kirk. They lost Chase Edmonds and Chandler Jones. Kyler Murray just, you know, he's proven it in years that he just doesn't have enough to sustain the full regular season. And by time playoffs come around and the end of the season, he's just kind of, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of lost his touch. You know, I think Clingsbury's a good coach, um, but I think the Cardinals lost too much to be in contention this year. Well, my bigger question is where are the 49ers? I did not. I, I, I don't believe in the 49ers, man. I really no postseason. I don't. I don't think. Wow. I, I'm just, I'm not, a, I'm not a big believer in the 49ers. I, I think. I, I just I just don't like their vibe this year. I, I think this whole Trey Lance thing has a has a potential that it could blow up. I think the fact that they know they want to go to Trey Lance and haven't done anything with Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is a is a huge deal. I mean, they could have easily granted they have a really good roster, but they did they did not do much in the offseason to improve it when they have literally, I think, one of the biggest trade chips you could possibly have in the offseason. And I know it's because of his contract, but they haven't done anything with it. I mean, you think Carolina wouldn't have taken Jimmy Garoppolo over Baker Mayfield? I think they would have. It's That's interesting. I mean, that, that's interesting. I think the 49ers are probably pleased with the situation because now, at least on the off chance the trailings doesn't work out, they could roll out a guy that's taken them to a Super Bowl. But my, my wild cards, I have the Rams as my top wild card. We mentioned that 49ers and Rams are going to be battling up top. I, I, the Rams are obviously... Fantastic. And while we're on the topic of the Rams, Ian Rapport actually just tweeted, this is pretty crazy, that Aaron, you, you mentioned the impact of Aaron Donald staying and how that sort of kept this Super Bowl group together. He's obviously one of the greatest defensive players ever. Like how that sort of kept this just mojo of you think of the Rams winning the division together. Ian Rapport said that Aaron Donald's agent sent the team a retirement letter. The Rams were waiting to send it 
and wanted to know when they wanted to honor him. The next day, they kept waiting and waiting, and it led to a conversation, and the letter was never sent. Wow. So Aaron Donald was firmly prepared to retire, and after a slight delay in things, a conversation led to Aaron Donald coming back and running it back with his Rams team. I mean, that just came on my Twitter feed now. Like, that's pretty crazy stuff for, for a player of Aaron Donald's magnitude. I mean, that's nuts. And look, he's getting his money too to show for it. So I think, you know, that's another thing where, look, obviously, did he want to retire? Clearly he did. But, you know, I think he's got the money now and they clearly had a good conversation with him. To he's now motivated. He's, he's motivated. He's one of those guys where he's going to be dialed in these next couple of years, probably his last two years in the league. For sure. And, and I guess just moving off the Rams, my last two wildcard teams, I, I'm with you here. Minnesota Vikings and the New Orleans Saints. Uh, you, you really hit on it. The Saints had a nice offseason. Jarvis Landry and Honey Badger are the two guys there that I think really make an impact. You get back Michael Thomas. You draft Chris Olave. Jameis Winston stays healthy. Alvin Kamara might not be suspended this year. That offense has some weapons, like seriously, like some actual firepower. And, and you bring in Dennis Allen. You promote him to head coach. And, and that should be pretty good for this defense. And, and they've always had a solid defense. Cam Jordan, like that, like that. Demario Davis, former Jet. Like that's a defense that has its guys and, and they should be pretty solid. And with the Vikings, I just, I think that offense is going to be really dynamic this year. I mean, Justin Jefferson is a masterclass, the receiver position. I mean, he is so special. Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins playing for, an, for another contract after his fully guaranteed four year with the Vikings. They, they bring in a new coach as well. I, I, I do think the Vikings are, that's a playoff bound team this year. They, I sort of feel like they're sort of snake bitten these last couple of years. They weird, they lose games in a weird way. But, but I think this team is, they bring in Zedaria Smith. We talked about the impact of Green Bay losing him. He goes to Minnesota. And I don't know. I, I just think this is a team that the Vikings and Saints, would they be in my playoff picture in the AFC? Probably not. NFC, they're my last two wildcard teams because I think they have enough upside. And, and the last thing I'll make on a team that I like, I am totally in a, am in agreement with the Panthers. I think that Baker Mayfield acquisition was fantastic. A fourth round pick. I mean, nothing. It's like Cleveland just wanted to give him away. It's like, okay, like there's no reason why Baker Mayfield shouldn't go in there and, and just swing around and say, okay, like this is not only his team, but his league. Like he has the opportunity to be a number one overall pick who just got traded for nothing. Right. I mean, did he have some issues in Cleveland? Sure. He would have stuff. Does. Was he the best QB in the league? No, but this guy showed enough to earn another gig. I mean, if Sam Darnold got another gig in Carolina, Baker Mayfield's a no-brainer, and Sam Darnold went for a, a fourth and a second. They got Baker for just a fourth. You give him Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore. Come on. I think Baker, like, and they honestly, they were really in serious consideration for that wild card three spot for me over the Saints. I think the Panthers, it's all going to be about that. I mean, it's obviously all about Baker, but that defense is going to really need to step up. And Matt Rule, I think, is a guy that's playing for his job at this point. Like, if this goes sideways and he's now failed, that would be like his fourth different QB, albeit not the best. But they've given it a different shakeout of looks, whether it be Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton, Sam Darnold, and Baker Mayfield. I think this could be it for Matt Rule in Carolina if it doesn't work out. And I think Baker's easily his best shot. I mean, a former number one overall pick that actually had some good moments in the NFL in three. I think this is going to be this is year four, I believe. Year four. Well, no, it's Daniel Jones, year four. Five, five. You're right? five. Because yes. Darnold, Darnold yes. and Baker this, were the same This draft is Darnold, so. fifth-year option year. You're yeah. going into year five. Like, I think it's really showtime for Baker, and I actually genuinely believe that he will give them the goods enough to at least make him the not, – not a permanent staple in Carolina, but they're going to make – oh, Baker's our guy for the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what the Panthers need too. Look, you know, I've been around the North Carolina area for a few years now. I think there is more excitement about Baker Mayfield 
than there ever has been with that entire organization ever, including the Cam Newton years, including last year when Sam Darnold like looked like he was going to be, you know, Jesus again, getting off to a really good start for those the first rushing couple touchdowns. Games. Yeah, hilarious. I mean, like, oh, well, where was that guy in New York, right? But look, you know, it's all about, like I said, Lamar Jackson's all about Lamar with the Ravens. It is all about Baker Mayfield with the Carolina Panthers. He's got the biggest chip on his shoulder. I think he's a guy who's got the ego and the attitude to carry a team especially with that chip on his shoulder, not saying they're winning a Super Bowl, not saying they're making a deep playoff run, but Carolina will be a contender this year. I, I really do think they'll be in contention to at least win a, a first round playoff game this year. I think that is at the higher end of things, winning a first round playoff game, but it wouldn't shock me. And that no. says more than a Panthers teams of recent years. So I think that's a huge win for the Panthers and Baker, but here we are. We've now laid out our playoff picks. You got it. Our eight division winners, our six wildcard teams, Let's get to the juicy stuff. We are about to give you our Super Bowl picks and our MVP pick. Things that we are going to be discussing all year. The MVP race, as you all, as we all know, it's something that keeps us engaged from week one through the end. The Super Bowl, obviously the end game here. And we're about to lay out who we think gets to the end. And it's funny, just now actually having these conversations and fleshing out our thoughts, you sort of get an idea and a vibe of how each other are going to go with this type of prediction. But Harris, how about you started off with your Super Bowl prediction? Well, I think it's a no-brainer in the AFC, and I think it would be hard to say that I think Buffalo will be in the Super Bowl this year. I, I see there's no reason why they shouldn't be unless things go completely out of proportion. If Josh Allen gets hurt or anything like that, they added some good veteran presence, especially in Von Miller. And I think, again, I, I'm a big component of you know teams getting knocked out in a very dramatic and catastrophic way can Bounce come back, back and really motivate that team. Right. Like, look, Josh Allen is going to be on another level this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he's even more possessed than he has been in the past. So that's my pick in the AFC. Now, in the NFC, you know, you can go a couple options here. Like, you could you could take the safe plate with Tom Brady, obviously, right? Like everybody likes to do. You could say, you know, Green Bay's obviously got a chip. Or you could say maybe the Eagles go on a run. But, you know, look, I, I, I think – you know, when are the Packers going to make a Super Bowl here? I, I think this might be the year when they could finally at least get there. Possibly. Break through. Look, look, they need it, man. Look, Aaron Rodgers just hasn't been there in so long. He's got had so many chances. And I think he's run in his problem over the last few years is that he's had an easy road to the Super Bowl until the NFC championship games when he has run into probably the hottest teams in the league. Like you look at the year, you know, 2020, the Buccaneers were on a roll. Right. I mean, there was no reason why the Packers shouldn't have made the Super Bowl that year, but Tom Brady was just Tom Brady. The Rams were phenomenal. Right. I think, you know, even though Aaron Rodgers lost to Vontae Adams, I think they made the necessary upgrades that they needed to make, especially on the defensive side. And look, you let Aaron Rodgers be Aaron Rodgers. You got a great running game. You got a good coach. Right. And I think, you know, it's just good for football if the Packers are doing this because, look, Aaron Rodgers hasn't made a Super Bowl in a long time. He needs to get to the Super Bowl. Now's the year to do it. I mean, he's talked this big game. For the last couple of years now, I think it's time for the Packers to finally show up and, and make it to a Super Bowl here. I think that is totally reasonable. I think saying that the Bills are like this, like surefire, like if, if it would take ca catastrophe for them not to make the Super Bowl, is a discredit to the conference as a whole. I think they're really like there's a good three, four, five teams I could see coming out of this AFC. I think it is a brutal path, and that's where I, I predict them getting the buy. The buy is just nothing short of massive in the AFC. Because if you just have to, I mean, you win a division, you might have to play the Kansas City Chiefs in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, come on. Like, this AFC is going to be a bloodbath. 
So I, I do like Buffalo a lot, but I don't have them coming out of the IFC. I think I'm going to have to go with my gut here on just a team that I just really feel is going to have just a good combination of momentum, chip on their shoulder, and talent, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. I, I talked them up very high earlier. I don't know. It, it just This feels like the year for me, and that Lamar contract year, they get fully healthy. They, they've been, they put the piece together last year by getting Rashad Bateman in the draft. Mark Andrews comes in as a superstar tight end. I, I, I don't know. It's, I, I don't feel great about it, but it, it's just because I, I, I could see the Chargers coming out of the AFC. I could see the Chiefs coming out of the AFC. The Bills, the Bengals just did it last year. Like, there's so many ways it could go, but I lean Ravens just because that is what my gut's telling me, and I think Lamar is just due for a nuclear-type year. And, and then the NFC, I'm go, you're not going to like this. I'm going with the 49ers. Oof. I think, again, I think that is, that is a great defense. I think they have all the weapons necessary, the head coach. It's really going to rely on the quarterback. And I personally am not the biggest Trey Lance believer, but I am a Kyle Shanahan believer. And if Kyle Shanahan is putting enough faith with this roster that has Super Bowl aspirations at every other position in the hands of Trey Lance, as opposed to the guy that's actually got him to Super Bowl and Jimmy G, I'd have to think that there's enough there that could actually lead to some wins and some high leverage postseason wins. So I'm going with the 49ers. I mean, it, again, it, like you mentioned, the Packers have something on just the Packers are trying to break through the Rams just did it. Tom Brady, like it's again, it, it really is anyone's game in both conferences, but I just think, there's some intangibles with the Ravens and 49ers that lead me in their direction. That is a Super Bowl rematch of a Super Bowl that we've seen. The, the Joe Flacco versus Colin Kaepernick Super Bowl, the lights out in the Superdome Super Bowl. So <laughs> that, that would be quite something if we were able to see that again. But that, that's where I'm going. Ravens over 49ers. So I think the Ravens win the Super Bowl. Look, I think it's, that's hard to disagree with uh, the Ravens part. I think that would definitely be my next choice out of the AFC. Um, look, <laughs> I don't need to sugarcoat it because I said it already. I'm just not high on the 49ers. And I look at the NFC and I say, look, I just think there's a couple more teams that have a, uh, an easy edge over the 49ers. Now I'm not a 49ers hater, right? I'm just saying no. this. Uh, I'm just saying this because this is what I believe and what I think. I do think it's going to take a little bit more than one year for Trey Lance to actually like come into his own and, and, and actually get a team to a Super Bowl. It's not going to be this year, in my opinion. I just don't think it is. I think the Rams still have the pieces to do it. There's a lot of hype around Tampa Bay, obviously, with Tom Brady coming back. He's going to be the same kind of guy. And you know what? I think the wild card in the NFC plays out in a way where you just don't know what can happen if the Saints get in and, and, and take on a high-level team in the first round. Because I think the, Sa the Saints, really, if you look at the true definition of a wild card, I think the Saints are, are the biggest wild card in the entire league in my opinion, because you, you don't know what they can do. You really don't. So I, I think, you know, I, I do think it's a long shot for the Niners. I like what you had to say about it, but I, I think, you know, Bill's pack uh, in the Super Bowl, I think, I think it's good for football, and I think it's just good for, for Aaron Rodgers. Who do you have winning that game? See, that's hard to come by, man. I mean, look, uh, you know, I got to go, go with the veteran. I got, I got to go Green Bay. And, wow. and, and Second Super Bowl for Aaron Rodgers. Look, it needs to happen. It's got to happen at some point, man. Like, it, I just don't think, I just don't think it's going to happen anymore as his career keeps going and winding down. It's just not. Josh Allen's going to have plenty of opportunity. Look, oh, he, he, he is. He is. I think Aaron Rodgers' time is, he's got a two-year window, in my opinion, where it's now or never. You kind of saw, you know, Green Bay had to get rid of Devontae Adams. 
And, you know, who knows what they're going to have to get rid of years down the line for Aaron Rodgers. So I think it's now or never for him. And I think he definitely can do it. Really quickly, before we get into our little week one preview and our, and our little spread picking competition, we're going to start this week. MVP right here. No explanation who you got. You know, look, you know, I know Lamar Jackson's a big hype up name for, for, uh, for everybody. I, I think that's an easy pick to go, but I'm going to go with someone who I explained earlier in the show that I think you're going to be surprised about. I love Derek Carr. I don't know why. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't know why, but I think, you know, now's the year. Look, you can put whatever receivers you want around Derek Carr. You can put whatever defense on the Las Vegas Raiders. If the Raiders don't have Derek Carr as their quarterback, they are not a good football team, period. I think you could replace Justin Herbert with Derek Carr, and they won't be the same team that Derek Carr will bring to the Raiders. I think you could replace, um, you know, Joe Burrow with Derek Carr, and I don't think that they'll be the same team with Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr is just the biggest difference maker based on the roster construction of the Las Vegas Raiders. And when I, when I personally review my MVPs for any league, I base it around not who's the best player in the league, but I review it based on around who is the biggest difference maker on why a team is able to go as far as they do. And I think the biggest reason why is because Derek Carr is going to have another good, is going to have a good year because he's got the pieces around him. Look, anybody could throw the ball to Devontae Adams, right? To attack of a law, it could throw the ball to Devontae Adams. <laughs> and the team's a lot better. Look, he's going to do the same thing with Tyreek Hill. But I think Derek Carr is that level of quarterback where you have that one piece around him. He is just going to make himself and the rest of the team a whole lot better. So I'm going Derek Carr as my MVP. I like it. It's, it's out of the box, but I'm totally with it. I think he's a guy that's, that's going to have a fantastic year. And, and to be fair, he, he has had many, like he really is awesome. And I, I like it. I, I'm going with Herbert. Uh, it's definitely one of the, the more chalkier picks, but at the end of the day, he is one of the most talented QBs in the NFL. He should be on a team that's really good. So if there's any of the question over value on a winning team or not, he'll be on a winning team. And I mean, he just has weapons galore. He's going to be able to use Austin Eckler, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen to their fullest. And that is just options on options of dynamic playmakers that are going to help boost his stats, boost their record. And ultimately I think that it's Herbie's year. Joe Burrow sort of got the shine for making it to the Super Bowl last year. I think Herbert sort of takes that spotlight back from that draft class and wins the MVP. So uh, that's, that's where I got for that. Now just we, we sort of looked at this whole season and how we think it's going to go in the long term. It is week one and there's a game tonight. And there's going to be a bunch of games on Sunday. So I think it's time to buckle down and at least look at some of the matchups that we're starting this season out. I'll, I'll run through the, the schedule really fast, and then we can just hit on a couple of games and then, and then make our picks. I mean, tonight it is the Buffalo Bills at the Los Angeles Rams. We, we talked about it earlier. I mean, this should be an absolute blast of a kickoff to the season. Two Super Bowl contenders, a team that was in the Super Bowl last year, a team that many people think is going to be in the Super Bowl this year. This should be a, a dynamic game. Josh Allen and Matt Stafford, really excited for that. But then moving on to Sunday, it is Saints at Falcons, Browns at Panthers, 49ers at Bears, Steelers at Bengals, Eagles at Lions, Colts at Texans, Patriots at Dolphins, Ravens at Jets, Jags at Commanders, Giants at Titans, Chiefs at Cardinals, Raiders at Chargers, Packers at Vikings, Buccaneers at Cowboys on Sunday Night Football, and then the return of Russell Wilson to Seattle, Broncos at Seahawks on Monday Night Football. That is the slate this week. What, what catches your eye? Look, I think last year the primetime games were so good that I think it's going to carry over into this year. Look, Bills-Rams is going to be really exciting tonight. I, I think, you know, 
I like Buffalo in that game, but again, the Rams are going to make it a big competition because again, they're at home and they're the rating defending Super Bowl champs. So that's definitely a game that I'm looking forward to. Obviously we saw at the end of the regular season, uh, the Raiders and the chargers, I think is going to be another exciting matchup. Um, you know, Green Bay and Minnesota too, I think is a good one. And then I think, honestly, I think a valid point here is Tampa Bay and Dallas, in my opinion, I think is a really good matchup because you have, I personally think it's very similar what they have here. Tom Brady and Dak Prescott, in my opinion, are very similar quarterbacks. And it's always interesting to see what Tom Brady can do now at 45 years old. So those are the matchups that catch my eye. And let's, uh, let's hear yours. I mean, the Bucs and Cowboys actually, they were the kickoff game last year, and it was a, a, a proverbial slugfest. I mean, it was a high scoring, like, like that game was awesome. That was a great kickoff last year, but I think we do have similar looks here. I mean, anytime you have two teams in the same division that are both going to be competing for the playoffs, that's exciting. And, and you get that with the Chargers and Raiders. You get that with, I mean, even the Steelers and Bengals. I mean, the, the Steelers are no pushover. That's another divisional game. Those two teams are going to play each other hard. But I, a game I look at, how about, the Carolina Panthers, Baker Mayfield playing the Cleveland Browns week one. We just talked about how much we like Baker and we like this Panthers outlook a little bit more than most because Baker is actually going to be more stable than in previous years. I like the Panthers to really make this one interesting and, and I like them to win over the Browns this week. Yeah, that's one I, I honestly just passed over as I was looking at it. So I apologize on that. But I mean, dude, that's going to be one where I'm glued to the TV watching that because there's going to be something, there's going to be something fishy that's going Baker's on. Baker's chipping. Let's Baker- say it how it is. Baker's going to be chippy. He's going to be throwing something. There's going to be a lot of mouthing, and I love it. I love it. I'm there for it. The odds in that game, actually, are exactly the same. Both teams are at minus 110. So, you know, whatever that means, right? But I just think it's Baker Mayfield, and he's going to run his mouth, and he's just going to shove it down Cleveland's throat because they they went to go after Deshaun Watson, a guy who's not even going to be playing the first 11 games of the year. I think Baker Mayfield is going to show why Cleveland made a mistake. Like this is in in week one, like usually it takes some some time for teams to realize that they made some mistakes, but week one is going to prove to the league why Baker Mayfield is legit. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot. It's a really fun week one outlook. I mean, I'm a guy that plays in a bunch of survivor pools where you got to pick a team every week to win, can't reuse the same team. And I, it's a hard week because there's so many even matchups. It's, I almost had a hard time finding a team that I felt so confident about because even the ones where there's a big favorite, they're on the road. And I hate taking road teams, especially in week one where anything could happen. But I, I think it's time to introduce this little game we're going to call it. We don't have a name for it yet, but that's just part of working through, through a podcast. We are going to pick three spreads a week, one for one point, two for two, one for two points, and one for three points with three points being the most confident play and one being the least. This is a concept that I've seen. Shout out to Michael K show. They, they do this. And I, I think it's a really just good way to keep a little act of competition and something to, to watch out for, for us and for you guys to, to see how and follow our picks throughout the year. So we're going to make three picks for three different levels of points. And we'll, whoever has the higher total at the year, at the end of the year is the winner. And who knows, maybe at some point soon, we find out a little, we, we put some odd implications on something. Maybe, we, we have something at the end of the year, the loser has to do something or something like something fun to, to keep it interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited for this. Let's keep it fun. No big sports better myself, but it's always cool to look at some lines and, Absolutely. and, and some spreads. Um, you know, the first thing that catches my eye and I, I you know, personally, it's going to be a good game, but I think it's for me, the easiest one to lock in, you know, Vegas over LA is a great matchup. I think, I think it'll be Vegas over LA. Their line's at plus 158. The spread's plus well, three. So I, I you, think. Are you picking spreads? Do you have spreads? 
Um, I or don't money have, lines. I'm, I'm, I'm going, I mean, I could pick both. I mean, I would, I would, I like the money line personally with uh, Las Vegas at plus 158, but I think, you know, plus three on the spread, I think is a uh, pretty solid cover. Um, for the purposes some, of this, I, go, go with your three favorite spreads. Spreads. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. All right. So, you know, Vegas, I'll lock in at, at plus three. I think it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a field goal shot. Um, that's, that's one. Um, in other purposes, New England is actually not favored on the road to play Miami. I, you know, I do think uh, that the Patriots at plus three and a half is, is another one. So that's one where I could, you know, I could, you can go either way, but I'd lock in the Patriots spread at plus three and a half. And um, I think it's easy to lock in the Saints at, at minus five and a half um, of their, the Falcons. So we'll designate those with your three-point pick, two-point pick, and one-point pick in order of confidence. So we All right, so my three-point pick is going to be New Orleans. Um, my two-point pick is going to be Las Vegas. And then my, my the one for one point, I think, is New England and Miami, just because I think there's good competition in that division between those two teams um, and New England's on the road. So I, I do think the Patriots will win that one. I think it's a good one to put your money on, but I will go with that's my least confident of the three. For me, my three-point play, my most confident of the week, I'm going to go with Colts minus seven at Houston. I, I hate the, the road element of it, but I, I, at the end of the day, I think there's a clear tier difference there between the clubs, and I just think the Colts take care of business week one. They're my survivor pool pick, too, for any people that play in those out there. As Obviously, in survivor, you, you pick money line. So, yes. But here, I like Colts minus seven for my three-point play. My two-point play, I'm going with the Steelers spread. They're at plus six and a half. I don't see the Steelers losing by a touchdown, even at Cincinnati. I think the Steelers, they go with Mitch Trubisky, the veteran. I think Mike Tomlin is just such a good head coach and that team's so solid. I'd be shocked if they went out there and lost by a touchdown plus, even at Cincinnati. Potential hangover there for the Bengals. They might come in a little too juiced to this one. There might be a little bit of a letdown coming up the Super Bowl. So I got there as my two-point play. And my one-point play, I mean, I'm, I mentioned it. I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers. I, I do think the Panthers, it's a pick em. So... There's, there's no spread there. So that's just a straight Carolina Panthers pick them. The, when, when it's a pick them, that means it's literally they don't favor any team over the other. So it's, it's essentially, it's like you said, minus 110 and minus 110. So I like the Panthers there at pick them as my one-point play. So we have that, that out there, and I'm excited to see how these go this week. I think we had all different picks. Yeah, so yeah, they are all different. That's, that's a fun way to start out. Someone's going to be winning. Like, yes, it, it's 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 nice when there's a little bit of difference there. And, and I'm really excited to get this football season going. I'm excited to see how our picks unfold. I'm excited to see our predictions unfold. I'm excited to see tonight football. Scott Hansen once said football. That's right. Like, football in prime time. It's exciting. It's been exciting the last couple of years, these prime time games. And again, a really good matchup tonight. And, you know, I hope everyone is out there is going to enjoy these games. And I think it's going to be a great NFL season. It, it's certainly exciting. I mean, I think. That's all we got for you guys today. I mean, we ran through a lot. I know this is a long one. We're going to definitely try to keep them tighter in the future. But, you know, it's, it's the football opening day. What are we going to do? Come out here and start cutting off things. We want to tell you guys how I feel, how Harris feels. That, that's what we're about here. We're about no plain views. 49ers in the Super Bowl. Come on, Derek Carr and BP. We said we were going to give you takes. We gave you takes. That's what the show's all about. Thank you guys for listening. We are definitely going to give you guys more information as this goes on. We sort of just wanted to hop on here and, and just give out an episode. There's not going to be any fancy editing yet, fancy graphics yet. That's going to all come with time. 
But for now, we wanted to give you an episode on the day of the NFL season opener. So that's really all we got for you today on the No Plan Views pod with Brandon and Harris. I mean, if there's anything more you got to say, Harris, I'd say the last thing I have to say is when we eventually get this episode on our platforms, rate and review us five stars if you can. Give us a follow on Twitter at No Plan Views. We're going to start releasing content there as soon as this episode is out. So Harris, if you have anything you want to close it out. Yeah, no, we appreciate it. If you listen, you know, give us some likes, give us some follows. I mean, this is going to be a really exciting time. You know, look, we're two kids, you know, from Plainview, the No Plain Views podcast. What a name. And, uh, you know, look, you know, we're two kids, you know, from a small town that are trying to break it into a big world in sports. And, uh, you know, we've both gotten started pretty well so far professionally, and we're looking to add a little fun to our, uh, our sides here. So it's going to be really exciting, and we appreciate all the love and support that uh, we hope to get from you guys. And uh, looking forward to uh, banging on another episode next week. Couldn't have said it better for myself. He is Harris Eisenberg. I'm Brandon Mintz, and that is all for No Plain Views.